Hello and welcome to another episode of Drama School Dropout, which is now part of the High Productions family. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by an actress you may have seen in Orange is the New Black and who you will definitely see in her upcoming movie before, during, after. Please welcome to the podcast, Finity Steves. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello. Hi. How are you? How is life during lockdown? Oh, um, it, it's a beautiful day today. <laughs> it's beautiful in New York City today anyway. it's I mean, it's crisp, but it's... um. There's, there's glimmers of hope, you know, so that's a good thing. I wish I could say the same for Scotland. Oh, and yeah. we just had a massive football, which you will know as soccer game yesterday. And all of the idiot fans decided to have a mass gathering in the, our city centre and our police oh. did nothing. Wow. So in two weeks, we will have a shit ton more of COVID cases and we will be in lockdown a lot longer so thank you to everyone who done that yesterday oh sorry to hear that yeah we I will I will say New Yorkers I'm so I'm I just love this city so much I'm not from here originally but I just I love New York so much and you walk around and you know 99% of people are wearing a mask and it's just you know we sort of have a reputation for being so rough and rude and but ultimately at, at our core everybody here is you know very very different but we're all sort of like into taking care of each other you know I mean I know it's a general statement there's obviously people who aren't doing it but but overall just living in the middle of Manhattan and walking around I'm just so I'm just it warms my heart to see that in in general you know everybody's just you know we're, we're in it together it feels like that anyway in New York Um, so what I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast to begin with is how did you get into acting and what was your first role? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, got into acting because my mom taught, I was very, very, very shy. And, um, my mom talked me into taking a speech and drama class in junior high to try to get over my shyness. So that was in seventh grade was the first sort of acting class that I took and, you know, was originally uh, mortified because I, I was just scared to death and had like I remember I had to do like a pant to this day I hate pantomime but I had to do a whole pantomime thing where we were baking a cake and everybody was laughing because I was forgetting where everything was and <laughs> uh, and I'm sure that was probably one of the funniest things I'd ever done really because it was so earnest and you know on the verge of tears but then the, then we had to then I ended up doing like a lip sync and I sort of in my mind gave permission to be laughed at and it was still just as like embarrassing and sort of vulnerable but um but just sort of in my mind giving myself a little click of permission of like, okay, I want people to laugh, you know, which is, so, um, it's okay if they do. And then I was like, Ooh, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> like just making that little shift of like giving permission to sort of be vulnerable in that way. And like, you know, um, so I sort of kind of got the bug at that point, but, um, my first real role was in a high school play and actually my high school drama teacher, I remember, I had to decide ahead of time I was on um, the soccer team, you know, and to be in the school play, the auditions happened after we decided whether we were going to be on the soccer, on the varsity soccer team. And I really wanted to be in the play instead. So I went to her ahead of time and I said, I know the auditions aren't until later, but you know, 
is there any way to know? And she's like, no, there's no way to know. So it depends on what, you know, what means the most to you. So I didn't play soccer and I waited and I auditioned for the school play and I didn't get it, <laughs> which is like, so, Typical. so the, our business, right. And in yeah. a way it was a good lesson because it's like, you could really want it and you could, you know, you could prove that you really want it and it doesn't matter sometimes. Um, so, um, yeah, so that that was sort of my first lesson, but I did eventually get into a school play. Um, and then my first professional role, I did. There was a small theater in Orange County, California, where I grew up, when we, at the at the Gem Theater, which is part of like the Grove Shakespeare Festival. And then moving to New York, like right out of school, I believe my first role. Um, it was right at the same time I got a small like one line on one of the soaps, which I think was One Life to Live, maybe. And then in The Sopranos, and I also got a part a, a small part on The Sopranos, which was like you know pretty dreamy. It was only a yeah. few lines, but what you dream. Uh, of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was really, that was pretty incredible. That was a, that was right out of grad school. One of the things too, as a first time filmmaker, I'm just such a rule follower. Like I, so I was talking about this on another podcast. Interestingly enough, I'm always afraid of being wrong or like joy joyously moving in one direction and someone saying like, oh my God, look at her. This doesn't she know, blah, blah, blah. You know? So I'm, and I felt that way. I loved doing Shakespeare so much, but I kept finding, like you said, that there was like, that wasn't as good as you thought because this, that, and the other thing and downward inflections. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Or you don't emphasize those words. You never emphasize a blah, 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 or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So the, I'm like, never mind. I don't want to do it. You know, instead of saying, screw you, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to figure out how. And so I, I just like, part of me is upset with my older self where I, I mean, you know, my younger self where I say like, take what you need and say, screw you to the rest and keep playing in the places that are joyous, you know? Um, instead, I ended up, I've not, you know, I did Shakespeare in undergrad and um, I loved doing it. But once I went to grad school, the more I learned, the more I felt like I didn't know enough to do it. So I just stopped and yeah. I loved it. 110% uh, agree. Yeah, yeah. It felt like people knew rules that I didn't and I mm. didn't want to, you know, naively just jump in with all my heart and then have people be like, Oh, she did the couplet with a little, whatever, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't want to be that person. So I, I'm mad. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could go back and just say, great note. Thank you so much. I That's will take what it. I found myself doing yeah. like in yeah. uni and I found we were allowed to record our meetings with lecturers. So after assessment, she'd go in and you'd get your notes and things. And I found, I listened back to them. I don't know why, because <laughs> I clearly hate myself. Um, I was listening to it and I was sitting thinking, I genuinely enjoyed what I did and I thought it was good. So what if it didn't fit into their boxes, but I found myself being really apologetic about it. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't entertain you and I wish I could go back now and say well hang on a minute I thought I'd done a good job and I'm pretty sure if we showed everyone in the world this there'd be somebody else that enjoyed it so like just because you don't and that's the whole thing the reason that I don't necessarily agree with drama schools I don't think that art can be placed in a box I don't think that you can say, well, this gets 76% because it done this, 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 and this. I think it's subjective and what I enjoy might not be what you enjoy and vice versa. And that was my main issue going into drama school and leaving and being like, mm, is this really for me? Yeah. And it's hard, right? Because the the nature, 
Well, everybody's like, everybody leads with something like as actors, some of us lead with like, you know, the intellect and some of us lead with our heart and some of, you know, we all sort of come to the table with something that's like stronger maybe than the other areas. So, you know, I, I needed it because I was somebody who was a very truthful actor, but I needed the skill. I needed the box within to be real and truthful. I needed help with sort of certain, certain skills and certain things. So I think there is a place for it depending on what you want to do, like, you know, the kind of acting you want to do. And if you just want to grow, like as much as I, I love the theater so much, but my acting style lends itself to more intimate storytelling, (laughs) you know? So um, time and time again, I'm cast in something because I nail it in the small audition room. It's very truthful. And then we get to the theater and the third balcony, they're like, I can't hear you turn your body. And, And so then this thing happens where, I'm like, oh God, I, how do I translate what I know to be true? And it's not about good or bad acting, right? It's about taste and style and, you know, and can I, can you jump between those and and fill a massive theater in a truthful way? And I have such respect for people who are able to do that. And I'm sort of learning now how to do that. Um, And depending on the role for me, I'm able to be more successful, you know, with bolder roles to fill it in a truthful way. It's hard for me when it's like a shy, intimate play. And then yet you have to fill a massive theater. That's where I go, oh, this feels, this does not (laughs) feel truthful. But you have an obligation to tell the story, you know, like um, you have to fill that space. Yeah. I don't know. I'm all over the place with that. But I just, you know, I think I used to judge it a little more acting styles like oh that's you know that's not that's not good acting but then you go see that person in a play and you're like holy crap they're beautifully telling the story and filling this massive and maybe if we were in a tiny room somewhere it wouldn't read as truthful necessarily in a tiny space but they are truthfully telling this big story in a big space so that is a skill that's not my natural instinct for sure and I definitely have to figure out how to lean on what I know to be true and then how can I do that in a bigger bigger way but, you know, I like, I love off-Broadway. I love intimate, you know, yeah. small spaces. I just love it, love it, love it. <laughs> what was it like for you breaking into the industry when you first, like, came on the scene and things? Did you find it difficult or was it a, a walk in the park? Oh, Which gosh, I've never had anyone say that before. Wow, that's amazing. No, it was not a walk in the park. And, for, like, because I was older coming out of school, I would get some, some great opportunities, but I would look around and I'm like, oh crap, that girl, the one I'm going, who's going in ahead of me was on friends or whatever, you know? And you're like, I, I just, so I felt like there wasn't a lot of room to like that director, you know, and whatever, I'm on the other side of that now a little bit, right? Just, just, you know, so it's not like when they say who, you know, whatever, it's just like, you just stick in, stay in the game long enough that you eventually know people, you know, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was super challenging, but I will say it was also great because I had time to figure out my type um, and how that fit. Um, I was a little bit, you know, I'm sort of, you know, nerdy like you know my type is sort of like quirky and nerdy which was always sort of worked for ingenue but then as I got older I was like how does that translate and then now I'm realizing it's actually serving me like I've always wanted to play sort of more complicated roles in tv and film I mean in theater I feel like there's a lot of opportunity you know so for us in the states anyway the best roles for me came in doing regional theater you know so before 
I had kids, I was able to just pick up and go to Milwaukee or Arizona or whatever, and just live, <laughs> live there for four months and do a play, which was incredible. Um, but I can't I quite fancy it, doing that. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. It was a great, it was, that was, I, I miss those days. I, I, but at the same time, it was also, it was difficult too. You know, it had, you had, you just pick up your life and live someplace else, but those were where the best roles were and where the better paychecks were, you know, the, the regional theater for the, for the States is much better than, than off Broadway, like off Broadway, it's, you know, less than, you, it, it, it's less than unemployment. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but um you're like, can I just collect unemployment and you just not pay me? <laughs> yeah. um, but for TV and film, I was just really desperately wanting those kind of more than just the sweet, earnest neighbor or the woman on Law and Order that seems very reliable and has some inside dirt on the, the fancy, interesting character. <laughs> uh, but it's it's now now at, at you know at my older age, I'm like, oh, this is really translating into something really fun, which is like some of these parts, like you know the the part on on Orange, you know, is like somebody who seems very sweet and earnest but has like this other layer so that has been super fun from like for a little while there that was like my that was my mo where i was like <laughs> she seems sweet but she's really a russian spy or yeah. she seems sweet but she's really you know so that's been really kind of fun <laughs> so speaking of orange so 2018 rolls around at the time there was a hundred and over 105 million viewers worldwide and me included we all sit down put Netflix on and we start that iconic theme tune and we're welcome to Litchfield Max. So we're introduced to your character, Beth, or as she's more commonly known, Beth, the baby killer, um, <laughs> as she's placed into ADSEG with Piper. What was the casting process for Orange like? Oh God, it was so great. And, you know, I, I had auditioned for the show um, probably three three times before um, for much more straight characters, you know, um, actually I think at one point it was maybe Boo's mom in a flashback or something. And I was cast in a like smaller part, but then I ended up being out of town. Like it, it didn't work. Thank God. Um, so then a little bit of time went by and I got this, this audition and I went, Oh my God. And it, it, they purposely didn't say what the crime was. They only gave me two out of the three scenes. So I didn't have the scene where I knew what she did, but I was like, I bet you she has some sort of, you know, she seems one thing and then we learn something else that it's complicated. But I remember for the audition, it said, please do not wear any makeup. Um, do not style your hair. And I remember I just was so excited that day going to the audition and I turned to my husband and I was, he, who is not in the business. And I was like, this is what dudes must feel like where you just get to go in and do the part and it has nothing really to do with whether my hair is like perfect or not. You know, it just, it was, it felt really great. I was like, I'm even going to walk there and be a little bit sweaty. <laughs> you know? So I walked to the audition and there were other amazing, other young, you know, my age women in there just looking awesome in white t-shirts and no makeup. And and it was cool. And I just felt I knew this. I knew Beth. I knew her. I knew her. Um, and it went really well. Jen Houston, the casting director, who is just incredible. I could tell from her face that she was excited by it. And I was like, I feel like I can do one more. And she's like, I don't think I need another one. And I was like, I feel like, she's like if you want to do one more. So I did one, one more. And she's like, great. And she goes, can I tell you what the crime is? And I said, yeah. And she told me. And I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, I said, I had a feeling. And she, you know. 
And I was a little bit bummed that she didn't, that they didn't tell people what the crime was because I felt like I was a strong enough actor to not play crazy, you know? But I suppose there wouldn't have been other, they've probably seen a lot of people and I bet a lot of people would have came in like, nah. Yeah, or show it like leaning on it a little bit too much. But I left there and I was like, please, God, please. This is the kind of thing I've dreamt of my whole life. And it, at the time, you know, it, it just said possible recurring. Cause I think a lot of times too, they like to see if something works, you know, if you show up as a diva and you're awful to work with or whatever, suddenly maybe your character is not. <laughs> in, seen parts in- on Orange as well that feel like they're going to have a massive storyline arc and then oop, they're being released by. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty easy to do that. So when I got the news of that, I was just, I was, I was just, I was so excited. Um, And the first, I had to go in to get like the, they had to do the, practice the wounds on me, you know, like to do the, all that kind of stuff. And that was when I met Genji and I was like, oh my God, this is. Genji seems like like a God. Like, I feel like that's like being in the presence of a God. And I've never met her, never spoke to her from what I've seen online. It just feels like she radiates that sort of, you just feel like you're in front of a higher power. She's so yeah, she is just, I, I, we saw her, I saw her at the, it's so funny because I was just so in awe of her. And then she wasn't around very much at the time. So I think she was starting uh, Glow at that point. So she wasn't, I didn't get to really see her on set after that. But then the rap, the rap party, or maybe it was the premiere of season six, she was there and I was like, hi, Genji, I'm Finnerty. And she's like, I know you like, why are you introducing yourself? But I'm just like assuming that she, you know, she's like, why are you doing that? Um, she's just incredible. She's just, yeah, that, that was one of those roles that I sort of felt like I could quit now, you know, not that I would obviously because I love acting, but um, it was just so satisfying because usually you sort of have a good role, a good director, you know, a good like team um, or a good sort of platform. And the fact that it was like all of those things, I was yeah. like, I don't know you know how can it get better how can it get better but I know that that's that's kind of what I want more of in my life I mean of course everybody does but bring back orange that and just being like you know it's so exciting to get the new script because you don't even know what's next you know you're like what what did I do oh my god I was really waiting for the Beth flashbacks throughout six and seven I was sat there and I was like when we getting Beth when are we gonna like And I get that it might not have been done because if she killed her children, that might have been a little bit graphic and it might have been something that could have been left to the imagination. But we could have seen other things, like what sort of led her to that, like a little bit. And I was just like, "Mm, why are we getting so much? And I loved Badison. Badison was another one of my favorite characters. But I was like, do we really need to spend a whole episode at Fat Camp? Like we could have had a Beth storyline here. Yeah, I think they, there was talk of them, if I'm not mistaken, they, they did talk about there being the husband coming to, to jail, to, to you know, coming to Max to visit her. Um, but I believe that was during episode seven and it was just so hard for them to tie up so many of these. And they were, you know, they were leaning more towards, which I think was brilliant, a lot of the eye stuff, you know? So I think that was not necessarily part yeah. of the original. I mean, I think it was a part of the original, but it definitely took on much more importance, you know, of yeah. that of season seven. But yeah, that was just incredible. <laughs> the really incredible. funny thing about Orange is the New Black is it connects the viewer to people who we necessarily shouldn't want to feel for. For example, your character. And we naturally would want to steer away from those characters and with that kind of, 
narrative and I'm doing that in air quotes because I don't know how best to phrase that but there was just something about Beth and I felt for her and like I said I wanted to know more does that come down to like the magic of orange or was that something that you set out to do or is it a bit of everything I think it's a bit of everything but the the show itself is they they ride that line so beautifully of you know letting you in on people that you normally wouldn't hang out with you know and how can you empathize with them I'll be honest I was a little afraid because all the other you know up until season six you fell in love with the character and then after a while you learned what their crime was right so you'd already grown to love them and then you're like oh well that that could have happened to me or that could have that could have happened to anybody I mean I I think up until season five you know through season five or six you kind of felt like we are all one bad friend away from being any of those women you know what I mean like one crappy mom away from being any of those people and um and one mistake maybe or you know it's just that's what I was so incredible about that film and like you can't judge people because we were we are all that close yeah but for me what was so scary (laughs) because the fans are so amazing and so intense but because we learn her crime right away. We'd only have like a few moments with Beth to kind of have a feeling about her. And then we learn her crime. Already some of the, the fans were at initially like, who are these new people? What's going on? Cause there was a big, you know, there was a shakeup obviously that was happening going into maximum security and, you know, going to Litchfield. And I was like, oh gosh, I hope they're kind to me because, <laughs> you know, um, and I was so surprised at, and happy that, um, that people were really feeling for Beth. And I, you know, I really do think it's the writers and they just do such a good job at, of writing that line. You know, I knew that there would be some humor, but obviously her crime is her, horrendous, but we don't know enough. And, you know, I made decisions, did research on, um, on post-traumatic, uh, um, oh God, now it's even gone from my head. It's been a couple years. Postpartum. Thank you. Um, and, and really she should not have been in prison. You know, she needed help. It's the (laughs) same with Suzanne. She shouldn't have yeah. been in prison, but people like that are. And it, Orange is such a good reflection of real life. And that scene between you and Caputo at the party in the end, where they're all having stalkies, where you give him that pep talk, that was that was another thing. I was like, whoa, because your character killed her children and he had made what was seemingly mistakes. And Beth compared these two narratives like they were the exactly the same thing and we wouldn't normally do that we wouldn't normally say somebody who's killed their children is in the same league as what he done and there was something so just so raw about that performance and I have to say I'm not a crier I don't ever cry at tv but I cried when Dobby died in Harry Potter spoiler alert um (laughs) and that was the last time that I think I cried but that whole part I was like in tears because I was like what you said earlier, we're all just like one Piper's in prison because she met someone who got her to do something and it changed her life. We're all so close. What, and it mustn't have been easy coming into Orange because this is an extremely popular, it started Netflix essentially. It's an extremely popular show, uh, long running, and you're part of this whole new batch of characters that we don't know if we're going to like because there was some that I didn't like. And 
you're not having a lot of time to grow the character. Like you said, when we see Piper over seven seasons, we got you for two. What was your prep like for Orange and how did you sort of combat only having such a short time to be with Beth? Um, I think, you know, I could just use the truth of me as an actor, like, please like me, <laughs> you know? Everyone Which on this earth. Yes, you know, like, and just, I want to do well and I want people to like me and, you know, showing up to set, like, that was just like the internal, you know, engine of truth. Um, and so I didn't have to hide that. I could just expose it more instead of, you know, um, and I don't know. So what, well, I, I just kind of got lost in the, what the, I, specific... yeah, I spoke quite a lot because yeah, I'm like, right. just in awe. <laughs> so like what I was saying was you didn't have a lot of time to like grow the character on screen. Like we'd seen like Laverne Cox who had grew the character over five seasons. How did you combat that knowing that, because like you said, recurring role, you didn't know how long you were going to have, but obviously as an actor, you want to tell the person's story and things. How did you combat being like, okay, so I might only get one or two episodes out of this. What was the prep like? Did you have long? Yeah, I think because it is such an incredible ensemble piece, I I just kept you know reminding myself like you know Finn, you don't have to try to like nail it or you know like as a as someone you know as a theater actor who gets sort of you know as like I'll get you know jobs on like blacklist or whatever right and then your job as the day player is to just like do your job be believable know your lines get the ball over the plate so that the other characters can really sort of do their thing you know what I mean like yeah. it's in some ways that's just um so I I try to just I feel like they do this so well is there certain characters that you think of on that show where you're like she was only in three episodes you know or whatever you're like you're kidding me I thought you know and it was just bizarre because everyone is so memorable I just tried to do you know and I think they do that on purpose where they don't let you know your full arc because they want you to just be as truthful and as surprised as the audience. So if let's say I know something's going to happen in two scenes, you know, maybe I'm leaning towards it or whatever. And so it's kind of exciting to, I remember when I got the, the script about what I did to Maria, you know, which we will like, all thank you for, not that I'm ready to condone violence, but stand her at that point. And I was like, finally, someone's done something. I was like, wait, wait, what, what did I do? Oh, because I had my own thing about postpartum and, you know what I mean? And, and like, so, so then I was like, that's interesting, you know, but I think being locked and being bullied and beat up, like already the crime for any mother to have to replay in any way, whether you were doing better later or not, and then being constantly bullied and beat up, like, I think it would make even a, someone who does not have mental health issues, violent and, and strange, yeah. you know, um, I read a really interesting theory about you actually saying about that. I was going through the deep dark holes of Reddit last night and I decided to put Beth Beth in the search bar. And there was a thing that I'd never clicked onto. And in series four, when Nikki comes back from Max into the minimum, she says, I had to spend, I was in an eight bunk cell with a woman, with all these women. And one of them put the baby through the dryer cycle. 
So people are like, <gasps> is this Beth? And then when I was reading the comments and someone was like, maybe she has something to do with like water, because if a child got put through the back, if, if this is Beth and we don't, it's never been confirmed if it is, if this is Beth and a child was put through the dryer cycle, maybe she has something to do with water because then she has the impulse to drown Maria in the toilet. And I was like, no, Genji Cohen did not set that up two seasons early. And then I sat back and I was like, possible. She might have. She's brilliant. Or it's possible that they wrote that and then they were thinking of new characters and they were like, there's a woman that put a baby through the dryer cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so that was you know, interesting to read. Oh, the, the, you know what's interesting is what I didn't know, there was a, um, I'd heard of postpartum depression before. You know, I'd heard that phrase and, you know, I have a, a, a daughter and so I, I, you know, I'd heard that phrase, but I had never heard of postpartum psychosis. And I was reading this beautiful book, a disturbing book, but um, um, it was called Insanity Shoes. And this wonderful, this woman is super brave and told her, because there's just so much shame around it that even if people have gone through it, they don't tell anybody. But, you know, a lot of times the the harming comes out of this intense love. And then, you know, that it's out of their love for them that their brain switches something and makes it that they're actually protecting them. Like whether like they, they are imagining that the devil is coming and they're trying to save them. And, you know, so it's just, I, I mean, it's, it's just heartbreaking that these women go through this and there's just so much shame around it that people don't talk about it. And I wish I, I, I should have looked that up before we chatted today, but the, um, the, the rate, the rate of, of women who experience it is just really, really high. And I don't remember if it was that book or a different story that I read about someone who thought she had done it and went, you know, she thought she had done it and it turns out she didn't. Her mind just played a, a trick that she had heard her, you know, killed her kids. So it's just, it's so awful. Um, and I think yeah. it's just uh, the worst of the worst. And, you know, in terms of, I think, so that's why Beth, Beth was constantly being beat up. And, um, but I was so, I was so warmed by the, people reaching out to, you know, that people, you know, felt for Beth, which was, um, some people don't and, you know, you can't. Oh, I did. <laughs> I, I wanted to know more. And I was like, leave her alone, leave her alone. She suffered enough. And then Daya came on and we sort of, we, we let her take the rap a little bit. Yeah. Um, but just one last thing on Orange is the New Black, which I like to ask everyone as well, who's been on that sort of thing. Did anything from set make it home? Uh, did you borrow anything? You can confirm, nor deny. Uh, we're not going to tell anyone. I, you know, I so desperately wanted to, but I'm like, I'm so good. And like, I, there was so many times I was like, would anyone know? But I'm just so, so I asked if I could, um, they let us have uh, our name tags. I have my name tag here. I love it so much. And then that's it. And then they let us keep our certificate, you know, the, um, that we got the. The diploma. The diploma. Yeah. They let us keep that, which was so cool. It says Beth Hoffler, you know? Um, so that's it. I didn't, I didn't take anything. I'm so, I'm, <laughs> and we got the really cool, you know, we get the gifts. We got our cool, like Nikes, you know, our season wrap gifts and stuff, which are cool. But I, um, yeah, I didn't. Oh, you know what I did end up with that I didn't feel like I ended up accident, truly accidentally with the little, um, I'm like, I should put a, uh, this will end up in a trash someday if I don't like mark it. But um, the little Kleenex thing that I give um, in one of the sessions when, um, 
when when there's like a cry thing happening and I give Maria a tissue. I, so I still had the tissue thing. That was another one of my favorite scenes where you're like, um, my apology letter is to you. And Maria's like, didn't you kill your kids? And you just hit back with, yeah, but my kids can't read. <laughs> like it's such a, it's horrible thing to laugh at, but it, it, it breaks it. And I'm like laying in bed watching Orange at four o'clock in the morning because I've done a binge right through the whole series the full day. Absolutely yeah. laughing. And I'm like, God, That's this- the they're so incredible. The writers are just, yeah. And if you just, if you can just say it truthfully, you know, it's just, it's just. I believed yeah. it. So <laughs> one thing that I quickly wanted to ask you about before we move on, I just clocked it in the background without spoiling anything. Is that the gold Buddha? It is. Um, this is the one it's, and that's not even a real thing, believe it or not, um, from the, from the movie. Um, but this was the one we bought for the film. Um, and we ended up look because the film used to start with little Jenny um, holding, uh, and this was it. But we ended up not being able to use that scene. But I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the opportunity to see your new film, which is called Before, During, and After. Before we spoke today, and I just want to say that I felt totally famous being sent an advanced screening of the film because it's not out in the UK yet. So I want to thank you for feeding my ego there. I'm like on the phone to my mom, and I'm like, I got sent an advanced copy of a film today that nobody in the UK has seen. I have, I've like made it. I'm gonna get a blue tick on Instagram now. Like I'm famous. So thank you for that. And. I can't wait for it to come out here because like the email said, do not share this link. And as soon as I watched it, I was like, I want all of my friends to see this. I was like, I need someone to talk to about it because like I'm now stuck in that limbo of everyone that I know hasn't seen it. And all I want to do is talk about it. And I'm not a massive film fan. I tend to stick more to television or theater, but like, I loved it. And I was like, I was like, wow, like the whole time I, I watched certain bits again last night, I went through it and you would never tell that this was somebody's first time making a film. Mm-hmm. Like it was superb. I, you couldn't even tell that that was the first time somebody had wrote something. There was not one line where I was sort of like, you know, when you watch a film and you're like, that line, nobody would ever say in real life. Like yeah. I see shows in theater and I'm like, but they people wouldn't actually say it like that in real life, like unless you're a massive weirdo. And that's something that my like weird ears pick up on. And there, w- there wasn't one moment. And I genuinely thought it was superb. And like I said, I'm not a film fan. I like my Netflix is glorified for RuPaul's Drag Race, Orange is the New Black and The Big Bang Theory. That's what that gets used for. Disney Plus is for <laughs> Ugly Betty. Like, I... I'm not a massive, let's sit down and watch this three hour long film. I'm more, let's watch every single episode of Orange is the New Black in three days. <laughs> but what was it like making that? Oh, it was the biggest challenge of my life. Um, but I'm I'm so happy that it's finally done. And, you know, I, I think I'd never made anything like that, but I was just like, people do, people do this. So I just set out to do it without really knowing what was ahead of me. Um, and shared the script with people and, and um, asked my first investor if they were interested. And I was terrified because I've never asked for anything in my life. And so um, that was terrifying. And and someone told me like, just collect the nose. And, um, you know, you and I talked briefly before we started recording about just reaching out and how scary that is. But I thought, you know, you can always ask, you can just ask. And if people can't, then they can't, but no The worst gonna- thing anyone can say is no. Yes. And half the time, even when people say no, they want to be able to say yes. You know, like there's no, 
you know, there's no harm in like a kid from a kid in sixth grade could call me right now and say like, will you be in my play? You know, probably not, but it's so adorable and flattering. Like I would write, the, you know, like, so why not, why not ask? We could just, will you come to Scotland and be in my play? Okay. <laughs> I would let, you know, I've never been to Scotland. I have no budget. So you would have to fly yourself and um, <laughs> you can sleep on my couch. But other than that, I have pretty limited resources, but yeah, just come to, you need to come to Scotland. Scotland's really, especially in the summer. I live like right in central Scotland. So you can always, you have my email address now, hit me up. I will show you the best places to drink. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I'll show you the best and the cheapest places to drink. Okay, Great. Student That's life. Great. I know where to get those one pound vodkas. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So going back to the film, and I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone because I can't wait for everyone to see it and I'm going to bully my friends into watching it as soon as we can in the UK or I'm going to tell them to get a VPN and just buy it on iTunes. Um, the ending scene really got me and I don't want to spoil it, but when she comes out of that building and that certain person is there and... I was like, that's what we all dream of. And like me now sitting, being like, what's the next step? That's what I want. Obviously not a broken marriage, but like the situation she was in with her professional life. And it was one of those things where I sort of sat back and I was like, if I like got high enough, that would be me on the screen. Like I would be looking at me on a screen. If Does that make sense? Or am I yeah. just rambling? No, that's amazing that you and that you connect with you know with the you know a middle-aged woman, too. <laughs> <laughs> which is a great you know you know what I'm saying. Like I just think that we we do we all do that. We connect with certain characters no matter what you know. And I that's 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 wonderful. I think I was also really pissed that it ended there because oh. I had it on full screen and I wasn't watching the time. Like that's another that's how I knew I was enjoying it because I wasn't like how long has this got left? I've just got to watch this because I'm doing an interview. And then it ended and I was like, what? No. <laughs> not a chance so if you've got like an extended script please send it over because i'd love to like read what happened next <laughs> yeah well, we'll have to talk more with that because we don't want to do any spoilers but yeah there was a lot of some people didn't want this film to end that way and they didn't want to necessarily you know so it's interesting i i would love to chat with you more about that <laughs> i was i was cool with it ending that way i just wanted to know what happened next I was yeah. like, that's a great ending, but what happens next? What what does she do? Because she's like doing this and she's not doing this. And again, we can't spoil it. So we'll have to do another episode when it comes out in the UK. And oh, I'd love that. that you, know, I, I just, you know, without giving anything away, I just wanted it to feel like what divorce it was like for me, you know, it's based on a personal story. And, and I just think, you know, every divorce story is different and definitely every, you know, divorce film is different, but I wanted it to have the feeling of being hopeful and as awful as divorce is that it like, that this is a woman who we're watching go through it and we'll be okay, you know, ultimately. And, but that it's off like divorce is crappy, but there's also just some like a lot of humor in there too even though it's mostly a lot there's a lot of heartache but there's also a lot of humor and i just wanted that it to scene, feel like you know all, all i'll say is the scene in the card shop i nearly peed myself 
<laughs> and I'm like so scared to even talk about it because I don't want to give anything away. Um, but I didn't know whether I, I wanted to ask or not because I had read that it was based on your own sort of journey and experience. And I didn't know if I wanted to ask, but you sort of brought it up. So I'm going to ask, was there ever a moment through like pre-production, writing, shooting, where you were like sort of, fuck, what am I doing? I can't tell this story. Like, did it ever just get a little bit too much? Because it was you. Um, no, well, I had to write it you know, thinking that I would never share it with anyone. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been brave enough to just try to get it out. Um, but once it was on paper, it became something else, you know, like. You detached I, from it. Yeah. And in a way, it was, it was like that was Jenny and David and not not me and my ex. And also the whole film is, you know, ultimately memory. It's all her point of view. So it's not claiming to tell the whole story. Um, and definitely you sort of realize later too that it is memory, you know, it's it's her memory on one particular day actually. Um, so if we but caught are her we on- interested a... in his side of the story? Probably not. <laughs> well, it would be interesting. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's interesting because um, I feel like, you know, Marriage Story did it so beautifully where he did show both sides, mostly his, but he did show both sides. Um, but that was not what this one was about. You know, it, it was more about her and also just as actors, how we use memory and we use our life to fuel us in our roles. And like we, you know, so that was interesting to me also is like how we plug into our own experiences in order to tell other people's stories. Um, so that's what I wanted to explore also, you know. Um, but yeah, it did take on a life of its own and it ended up becoming, you know, once you bring on, you know, we brought on, you know, our, our directors and the producers and and then you cast it. And then, so then suddenly it's like, it's not me. It's not me at all. There's no I mean, time it's, to I'll, breathe either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just takes on, like I said, it, it was almost as if I just understood this woman completely, but I didn't feel like I was, and now I will relive the blah, blah, blah scene. Yeah. You know, like it was not that. It was very much like, I get this woman. I know who she is. Um, but it was, you know, based on that but it be like it took on a life of its own you know is there any update on a uk release because i know we spoke in email about that and sort of uh, when can i bully my friends into watching this <laughs> well i think it's short. i have no idea timeline i'm really so we you know gravitas ventures released the film in the us and canada um and it's available like everywhere you rent and buy movies so you know Amazon and iTunes and all that in the US and Canada. But in the film is now, uh, we have a great partner with um, Artist View Entertainment and they are actually just, we just gave them all the deliverables this week. And um, so they are right now, literally like this week pitching to Berlin. And um, so I have no idea how long that takes, you know, for those deals to, to happen, but um, it is a matter of time. I just, I don't know if that means, uh, you know, 60 um, days or- When it happens, <laughs> I will be, at the front of the campaign to get people to buy it, I'll be like, no, I need some. I saw this in March and I need somebody to talk about it with. So hurry <laughs> up and buy it. Um, no, I genuinely. I think it be called something different, actually. I should say this. Oh. So, um, <laughs> We're just yes. promoing a film that might not exist in Britain. Yeah, well, no, in, in the US and Canada, it's called Before, During, After. But um, Artist View came to us and said, you know, we we like to change the title because 
sometimes the titles don't translate, you know, obviously it would in the UK, you yeah. know, it, ordering after wood, but in, in, in other countries, sometimes it just doesn't translate. So, um, so we went back and forth on a bunch of different names and it was hard because it was, I wanted something that, that definitely said something about navigating time or, you know, the fact that it jumps around in time and is nonlinear. Um, so we ended up, you know, he said basically like simpler is better, you know, so we went with, um, they decided on navigating love. So yeah, yeah. So it's called navigating love. Um, outside so have of to figure out what it's going to be called in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but it was like, oh, we should keep the same because, you know, in terms of like social media and stuff, and I want to connect with people, but they, I guess it's done all the time. I just didn't totally know that. But. Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone. So before we wrap up, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I always like to play a little game with everyone that comes on and it's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. Uh, and I am going to give you three crazy stories about theatre, drama school, secondary school. Two of them are stage right, which means they're the whole truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I said that really weirdly there. And one of them is stage shite, which means it's a complete and utter lie. I don't know which is which. Uh, one of my friends does it all. So it's our job to guess which one is the lie. Ooh, interesting. Okay, cool. This is one person doing all three. No, so they're submitted by listeners and uh, one of my friends who, because we're now, Drama School Dropout is now part of High Productions, which is my production company. And my friend, because High is Heather and Ingram, uh, Heather, she gets all of the, she goes through all the emails, reads them, puts them together and then just makes one up. Oh, wonderful. Great, and great, great. Then I click a button on my iPad and I find out which one's the lie. So number one, I did some street theatre during the Edinburgh Fringe Festival the year I graduated. And I somehow got a meeting with an agent in the city for that week. The agent told me in the meeting that she had seen me perform street theatre and wasn't a fan, but still wanted to sign me as I had a good showreel and she thought it made good financial sense. I walked out. Number two, I had been living in New York for two months and somehow managed to bag an audition for a play off, 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 off Broadway. And the casting director told me that my London accent was so unbelievable. And he thought I was trying to sound like, in air quotes, a gangster queen. I proceeded to pull out my British passport and point out that I was born and raised in London. After three more audition rounds, I booked the role. The play was terrible, but it paid half my rent. Three... My boyfriend broke up with me the night before I was due to start a national tour of the UK because he wasn't comfortable with me kissing another another guy in a scene. I think I might have dodged a bullet there. Oh my gosh. What do you think? I don't know. Like, um, I, I think the one that I sort of navigate to because I don't know about it is, can you live in New York for two months and somehow bag an audition? Off, off, off Broadway, you can. Okay, so then my logic's out the window. Um, maybe the agent oh, you know what though you're not getting paid it's, it said it paid my rent or something like that didn't it say something about but it paid so it definitely it not paid that, half it paid, my off rent. Broadway. paid yeah. half my rent yeah now unless it's some weird cruise thing or something you know like no i would say no i think maybe it's that one i think i added an extra off in i think i said four offs it's a play off 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 broadway so three offs yeah because even just one off will not pay half your rent so but then I'm thinking, what are the chances of an agency you perform street theater? Oh. That that's like a massive coincidence. Unless like they just you... said that to be 
a jerk or something. But how would uh, they know? I don't know. Like I'm, I, I don't know about New York theaters, so I'm more drawn to that one purely because it's like the unknown. Yeah. And that's most plausible in my head. It sounds I don't like know. something a New York casting person said. Um, um, that would be really funny though. Like oh, your English accent is rubbish. And then me pulling out my British passport and being like, I'm British, man. Born and raised <laughs> in London. <laughs> Oh gosh. I think I'm going to go I'm for number say, one. You're going to say number one? I think so. Because how? what are the chances of an agency? I'm going to say number two. I'm going to say number two. Right. I'm going to look. I'm going to press the button. And it was number three. Wow. So, imagine being in an audition. Like that's like me saying to you, so you grew up in Orange County. That's like me like auditioning in you and going like, oh, your Californian accent's a bit rubbish. Yeah. Being like, yeah. Do you know what you're talking about? Because I grew up there. I couldn't keep a straight face. Like if he was actually telling me, I don't think I could let him finish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, Honestly, have... I, the, the reason that I love this game and like, it's a bit monotonous and it's a bit boring, but like hearing these stupid stories, like we had one not long ago and it was something like, oh, what was it? It was something like I ran off. I literally got up one morning she lived in like Midwestern Britain, got a flight to London and just moved there and ghosted her boyfriend. And the next time she seen him was on her opening night on the West End a year and a half later. Oh my God. And he was in the front row. So she had just got up one morning and was like, you know what? I'm going to go to London. I want to be an actor. She didn't tell him that she was going. She just disappeared. And then and it turned out to be true. And I actually spoke to the person because I was like, no, that that's like, we've been done over here. Like somebody's told a lie. And I spoke to her and she was like, no, I'd saved up money. Like it wasn't just a spare of the moment decision. I'd saved up money. I wasn't feeling the relationship. And I just got on a flight and never looked back. And it obviously it got out that she'd been cast in this major West End show. And I don't want to say her name, obviously, for like privacy reasons. And she was on stage on opening night first scene and he was in the front row and that was the first time oh my gosh <laughs> could you imagine that happening oh my gosh i'll have to I, think of some bad ones and, and submit them to heather yeah heather heather will, <laughs> heather will definitely i'll fast track those emails um, but thank you we've come to the end of the podcast now and we'll definitely have to do like a sum up episode in the future when the film comes out in the uk and we can we can play stage right or stage shite again oh that would be great thank you so, so much. thanks for having me this was wonderful honestly i'm genuinely like i said one of the hardest things for me to do on this podcast especially of late is not be a nervous little fan because i am a massive fan of orange and things like that and it's such a hard job for me not to come on and be like oh my god hello how are you um <laughs> but you've been so lovely um where can everyone find you on social media so they can all follow and give all the likes oh great um so on instagram i'm finnerty's photos so uh so finnerty f-i-n-n-e-r-t-y-s photos um, all in the description and- box too oh great and then um, I'm, not, I'm not as heavy on Twitter, but I, I believe I'm Finnerty Steves on Twitter. At least <laughs> like, Trump's off Twitter now. I'm more, compi- more compelled to go on there now that we don't have to listen to him. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I do follow certain people just to, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably more active on. And then the film, you know, before, during, yes. after the film 
is um, that we have our Instagram page for that too and the website too, before, during, after the film.com. And if anybody has watched it and doesn't mind just like FaceTiming me one night, doesn't matter where you're from, I just want to talk about this film. So anyone, anywhere in the world, I will make time <laughs> to talk about this. So hit me up. The email for the podcast is in the description. They all come to me. And if they say Sage Writer, Sage Shite, they go straight to Heather and I don't read them. But everything else comes to me. And I'm more than happy to chat about this. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for asking. It was such a, you know what I will say too, I get sometimes random, like the fact that you reached out properly through my agent was so appropriate and professional. And there we have it. Episode 18 of Orange is the New Black completed. Thank you so much to Finity Steves for coming on and giving me her time. Remember to check her out in Orange is the New Black and her new film Before, During, After. Make sure to buy it whenever it's available in your country. Remember to follow us all on social media. And if you're feeling extra generous, scroll down and leave us a little rating and review. And if you're feeling extra, extra generous, you can always subscribe so you never miss out on an episode of Drama School Dropout ever again. And remember, this month we are doubling up Drama School Dropout to celebrate my birthday. So we've got episodes on Tuesday at 12 noon and episodes on Friday at 5pm. And this Friday I will be talking to the star of Teen Wolf and The Hunger Games, My Life is complete right now. I'll be chatting with Ian Nelson. So same place, different time. We'll be back. And thank you so much for listening, guys. It always means the bloody world. I'll see you again soon.